0: He didn't turn you away and question your story. He just no. wanted you to see a psychologist maybe to to work on the story a little bit.
1: I think so, you know, I think so because ultimately he ends up changing it to a whole a whole adding a whole bunch of details that I had never said. you know so I, So
0: how long did you go to the psychologist for? Three years Three years. Three years. Oh my God.
1: We are born free.
0: Right, we are live here. I'm live to the Lions of Liberty Pride with A.J. Dillon. And for those of you um, who don't know a lot about the Jerry Sandusky, Penn State, Joe Paterno scandal, um, you might not know that name. Um, you might not even be familiar with there being a, a fake accuser who actually went through the system uh, that, that Penn State and, and lawyers who were engaged in this process um, really fooled uh, the entire system. And we'll get to that part of AJ's story. AJ also was a member of Jerry Sandusky's second mile uh, growing up. So he can speak to that experience as well. AJ, welcome to Finding Freedom.
1: Hi, John. Pleasure to have, have you here today.
0: Well, th- thanks for coming on, man. And um, what I remember first, like, I remember when, when uh, John Ziegler, Started talking about there being a fake accuser. It seems like it was like at the beginning of this thing, but but it wasn't. It was only several years ago, right? Right. And uh, he's he's teasing this on his podcast, talking about there being a fake accuser, and he's gonna he's gonna publish this content soon, and it's incredible what's happening. And I was I, I was like, if this happens, this is gonna blow things up. Um, but w- with this case, of course, expectations and what you think will happen. And would you think should be you know should get press coverage and things of that nature doesn't come to fruition and and the press doesn't care when you blow up a story like this and we're going to get to all of that because it's absolutely incredible the absurd story that you told that you were able to get taken seriously um, by by the law- lawyers involved in this lawyer involved in this process and, and we'll get to that uh, but first to give people background. And I'll say first, for, for those listeners who are like, maybe stumbled across this podcast and they're like, Jerry Sandusky scandal, that guy's guilty, blah, 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 everyone knows that. I would just encourage you to take a step back for a minute here. And if you haven't listened to my previous episodes with John Ziegler, you know I'm not going to tell you to stop listening to this podcast now, but after you listen to this podcast, you can go back and... And listen to those. I'll link to them on the show notes page. And also, for more context, John Ziegler, uh, along with his co host Liz Habib, have put together an incredible series of podcasts called With the Benefit of Hindsight, which blows the accepted Sandusky narrative totally out of the water. And, uh, I encourage everyone to go listen to that after they finish listening to this interview. With that being said, um, that those housekeeping items, AJ, great to have you here. Can you start off by telling us about your involvement with the second mile
1: growing up? Give us some background on, you know, what, what that was like. Um, I was referred through school counselors because I had a lot of behavioral issues. Um, some of that, I believe stems from the massive head trauma I took, as a child with seizures but anyways uh, and bad choices of course but that's why we were all there we made bad choices bad decisions as kids but you know i guess it comes with growing up but anyways a school counselor from state college area high school referred me to the program and uh, you know my parents bought into it and they thought it was a good thing i was unsure of what it was going to be like to go to the camp how, how how old were you about about that 13. time? Thirteen. Okay. I was thirteen, and uh, from there I went to the camp. I think it was a week or two week pro two week camp, something like that. And we would stay in the East Hall dorms, which is on the Penn State campus. And it was a pretty good time. We uh, had like. All sorts of activities on the campus. We do. There was, I think, a poker night or a casino night, if I remember correctly. I still remember that. We'd earn like these little chips, and, you know, the more you earn, you turn them in for prizes. And then we had our camp counselors and stuff there. So it was a pretty fun, fun time at the camp. Uh, it was definitely different from anything I had ever experienced. Uh, did you have any
0: interactions with Jerry Sandusky when you were at the camp? Did you meet him? Did you get to talk
1: to him? Anything like that? Oh yeah. I mean, he would, he would stop by. We had a, I think he was involved in a lot of different activities with, within the camp. I I had met him on a few occasions at the camp and uh, he's a pretty cool guy, but he's like a big kid at this camp. You know, he's like different from every other adult because he's, He's, you know, interacting with us kids. And, uh, you know, I I had come across a lot of people that were trying to influence me changing my behavior. But Jerry was like he had that ability to be adult and teach you valuable lessons while also being able to relate to you at your age level. You know, Hmm. I guess that's the best way I would describe that. So he was somebody that was different for us to listen to and gain valuable lessons on life and our behavior and really like we didn't just blow them off, you know? Right. So,
0: so, so you're, you're 13 years old. You, you go through the, the second mile camp. Did you have, were you still involved with the, with the second mile after that in any capacity or.
1: Uh, I think I went back and volunteered some, I know my brother, my, my younger brother volunteered after being there as well. So um, that was kind of cool. But no, not too much after that. I mean, it was kind of like something I didn't want to talk about in school because, you know, those kids were labeled as bad kids. And, you know, if you were kind of found out to be a second mile kid, then it kind of ruined any reputation or image or, you know, friends you're trying to establish because kids would just go back to their parents or their parents would tell them to stay away from us, you know. So really? this, yeah, it was something you kind of kept to yourself.
0: Huh. It's interesting, interesting dynamic that, that I hadn't really considered considered before. Yeah. So, as you grow up, so well, I guess to go back, so you're 13 years old. About about what year was that?
1: That would have been 96, I believe. Yeah, 96.
0: So 96. Okay. Yeah. Penn State had a very good football team then. They did.
1: They did. <laughs> I remember um, guys like Kajana Carter and stuff like that and around that time period. Yeah.
0: yeah. Well, it's funny. That's that's the about the year. Was that the Rose? Was that ninety two? That was the was the Rose Bowl. I think ninety four was Carter. the Rose Bowl. Ninety four. Yeah. That's, a, yeah. that's the year when I became a Penn State, State fan. Championship. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, we're, we're not here to talk about that. You're right. So. <laughs> This is, this is in, in the late 90s when you're at the camp. Fast forward to 2011, mm-hmm. and the shit hits the fan in November of that year. Um, or actually, things were leaked out earlier if you were, were tied into it. When did you first hear about Jerry Sandusky being investigated by a grand jury, or did you not hear about it until um, the actual charges were, were leaked out?
1: I only heard about it when the charges were leaked out. Um, Mm -hmm. I think that was, I want to put it at November 5th or something like that of 2011. I think it was. Yeah. So it was definitely November. Yeah. 2011.
0: So, I mean, I, I remember I kind of relived my reactions to it initially. um, When I watched that ESPN thing last week, ESPN, E60 and, it was kind of just a rush of everything coming back, and how quickly you forget how quickly everything moved. With from when Paterno being fire, fired to him dying, it's only a few months apart. And then the free report comes, or Jerry's convicted. The free report comes, the sanctions come down. J- just everything happening so so quickly, sequentially, one, one thing after another. And I, I mean, I remember at the time it was it was several years after it happened until I really. I found John Ziegler's work and started looking at this case. Initially, I think with most with same as most people, um, I assumed Jerry Sandusky was 100% guilty. I assumed that, you know, th- that this uh, you know, criminal behavior and uh, you know, assaulting children, what was going on? I never believed, you know, that there was a cover-up and a conspiracy. It, that none of that ever made made any sense to me. What was your reaction to it when it all came out with you having that experience going to Jerry's camps. Did you, did you question that narrative immediately?
1: Um, I, I didn't really question it initially. Uh, in fact, I, I just was like, what the heck, like what's going on here? This is not who Jerry Sandusky is. And I've been fortunate enough to be around him. Like most people have never been around him and they don't know him well. And, you know, I understand like the media is getting this perception, but no, I did, I never really believed he did these crimes. Uh, though I did look into trying to prove the jury jury correct because I needed closure. I needed to know one way or another if he did this or not. Because on one side of the coin, I'm sitting there going, "Did my parents? Did this school district send me to a serial child sexual abuser?" Like. I need to know that I cannot have any doubt about that. Or is he being falsely accused and, oh, shoot, nobody's going to believe me on that one. This is too heinous of a crime. Just from my own personal perspective on child sexual abuse or, or sexual abuse, uh, in general, I don't like it. I can't stand anybody that does it. I don't condone it. So this, mm-hmm. this was one hell of a challenge uh, mentally bad. for me. So you're, you're grappling with
0: that. He's charged pretty quickly. Like the next spring, it's only several months when he's convicted. Um, did I'm assuming you followed the trial pretty closely as
1: it was yeah. unfolding? Yeah, I was at the trial. I, uh, sat right behind Matt Sandusky and wow. Dottie Sandusky. Um, wow. my mom, yeah, my mom had, uh, asked me if I would go one day. And she said, Dottie had cleared it. So I was like, okay, I'll go. And, uh, you know, so I got to sit in on the trial.
0: What was your impression at the trial? Did, did you believe the
1: accusers? Um, did you, what did you think? You know, I think that's part of why I went. I wanted to, I wanted to get some clarity in my mind. Like, well, let me go hear what they have to say, because if this man's a You know, serial pedophile. I I won't know how to process that. But no, like I sat there and I had talked to Matt. One of the first things I tapped Matt on the shoulder, I go, Matt, do you believe Jerry did these things to these kids? I mean, because you were around him. And he goes, Absolutely not. They're all lying. And I'm like, Okay. (laughs) And then he turns around. I think it was the same day. And then he just leaves the courtroom. And next thing I know, I'm hearing he has claimed he's a victim of abuse by Jerry Sandusky. So I was in the court. I asked him straight to his face, you know. Hopefully, if he sees any of this one day, you know, he know he remembers who he talked to that day. He knows. Yeah, oh, I,
0: I'm sure. I'm sure he's blocked a lot of that stuff out. I mean, he, yeah. he 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 saw the ship was going down and and jumped to uh jumped to a ship that wasn't. So at the trial, after watching, you know, watching the testimony, watching everything unfold, watching Jerry's horribly prepared lawyer and legal defense occur when it concluded and he's convicted on, on most of the charges, did
1: you think he was
0: innocent or guilty at that time?
1: No, I, I kind of immediately knew based on the testimony one thing that stands out of the testimony, there, there are probably multiple, but one was uh, one of the victim's friends, I uh, can't remember the guy's name. I think it was Aaron Fisher's. Yeah, it was Aaron Fisher's friend. It was victim one. Um, he had testified on the stand and they had asked him like about his was relationship it, with Was Aaron. it
0: Aaron Fisher's neighbor?
1: Yeah, I believe so. Yeah, okay. I think it was Josh Farrell, if yeah. I remember correctly. And he talks about how the mother was going to basically ride this to money, financial gain, mm-hmm. and he testifies to that. And of course, I'm paraphrasing that testimony; it's been years. But um, I just found that odd. Like, why? How would he know that? For one, like, unless he was literally told that by, you know, Aaron or his mom or or through word of mouth.
0: And, well, what what motivation would he have to go to a trial and and make that up? There's right. no motivation to do that. Yeah. There, there's
1: there's nothing in it for him to say that. So I mean, in fact, he's he could just have said nothing. And uh, yeah, so I I mean I don't understand when you have a guy as many of the outside world likes to say that Jerry's this guy that's uh they're they're legend serial he's a serial pedophile at this time. What is in it for anybody that to testify to to that degree about that situation like that? There's nothing in it for him. So, mm-hmm. I agree with you. Yeah. So,
0: fa- fast forward, and Jerry gets convicted, and the free report occurs. The sanctions come down. The Penn State Board of Trustees essentially um, commissioned. Uh, this free report using public money in order to pay Louie free. And what they were essentially doing was, was paying in order to justify uh, the actions that they took, which was firing Joe Paterno, Graham Spanier and uh, yeah, firing legendary coach Joe Paterno. They had to, they had to prove that they did the right thing there. So the free report comes down and that opens up, all these wounds again. Paterno's dead. He can't defend himself. They pull these yeah. emails out, showing that like it looked like the, the the way they showed the emails without any context, and in thinking that in the emails that they were actually talking about, knowing about a, a uh, you know an incident of uh, you know, sexual abuse being being the uh, the shower incident that Mike McQueary you know allegedly witnessed, which really didn't occur and, and was and was never really. Uh, an incident at all. And and for more details on this, please go listen uh, to John Ziegler's podcast. It's one of the first episodes where he goes through the boy in the shower incident and totally, no. um, totally blows it out of the water. I'm, so I'm not going to go into great detail here. But essentially what that did is that opened up Penn State to, they paid all this money to justify their actions and in doing so opened themselves up to this huge liability. And they had this process for, handing out money, which was basically um, if you fell in a certain window and you could tie it to being a, a kid who was in the second mile and you had a story that was remotely plausible of, uh, of abuse, you would get money. Or if you could tie it to Joe Paterno, you could also get money. And you're watching this all unfold. I know, you know John Ziegler's doing his work and he's, he's exposing a lot of this insanity and corruption that, that that uh that's that's going on when did you get the idea hey you know what I think I'll see if I can uh be a fake accuser and go <laughs> in there and, and and trick them and see if they'll believe me
1: um i I kind of was just processing like i think with with john through through Facebook messenger I was thinking like, man, nobody's going to listen to just my word, right? Nobody's the prosecutor who do I go to. I mean, Jerry just doesn't strike me. And I feel this jury got this wrong. And uh, the more I'm seeing the actions from Penn State and how they're handling it, the more suspicion I got. So I just go, you know, John, like, man, I should go see, I should go see Andrew Shubin. And he goes, why would you do that? I was like, I just want to ask him a few questions. And, you know, cause I don't believe Jerry did this. He's like, well, why don't you go pretend to be an accuser? And he's like, just joking, right? Like just kind of like following that conversation. I'm mm-hmm. thinking it's, he's, he's just blown off, you know, steam. He's not means nothing by it. Mm-hmm. And I think for a second to myself, I said, that's an ingenious idea. I should go do that. So, uh, I go do that the next day. Wait, hold on, wait, let, let me, let me
0: stop you right there. Okay. So you didn't prepare at all. You didn't, you know, th- no. think through th- these are the questions he might ask me. This is the story that I'll, that I'll say you, you just, you just decided, bam, I'm going to go talk to Andrew Shubin. And for those and, who don't know, A- Andrew Shubin has, I don't know if it's the majority of the, uh, of the clients who have gotten money yes. from Penn state. But it's if it's not the majority, it's it's, it's close to it. He's yeah, very tied in.
1: I think it's about nine, but you know, I can't I can't say that for sure. Yeah. But I think it is about nine of them. Yeah, and so yeah, I di- I did. I was walking actually when I was walking towards his office. I'm just concocting things in my head, like what am I going to say, and I'm trying to remember what other people said and. So I just concoct this story when I arrive at his office. And so, so
0: when you say try to remember what other people said, was was this after the 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 settlement leak?
1: I think that? so. Yeah, it okay. would have. Yeah, it definitely would have been after the settlement leak because gotcha. we're talking. Oh, I'd have to go back and verify. I want to say 2014, but it may have well been 2016. Yeah, because was 2014 uh, when I went to Schubin. <laughs>
0: Really? twenty? Okay. Um, I think it would have been
1: 2014.
0: The, set, the settlement leak, I thought, was when uh, Ralph Cipriano and, and Ziegler were working on the Newsweek story.
1: Oh, that, no. No, I was informed no. about the Newsweek. So this was before the Newsweek. I, I was already uh, active in, in this investigation, okay. this case study, when the Newsweek was going to come out. Okay, gotcha yeah.
0: so anyway so so you go to Andrew Shubin. Did, did you call ahead, make an appointment? Did you know you were coming but what happened? Take us through it?
1: uh, no, I walked into his office. I saw the secretary uh, and I said, Hey, I think I'm a you know I may be a Sandusky victim. Can I talk to Andrew Shubin and she's like, yeah, and she schedules me to basically see him that same day, and that's when I go in and we, we discussed my story. Well, my, my original story, he, he ultimately ends up changing it, but.
0: Okay. Well, let's get to that, to, to, to what he changed. Um, and you don't have to go through the, the entire story, but essentially, uh, well, first of all, when you walked in and said, you know, hi, my, my name's, you know, AJ, um, I was abused by Jerry Sandusky or or whatever you said, "How, how, how did that go? well like, what was his reaction um and uh what type of questions did he start asking you he,
1: he he was uh his reaction was just like you know well, come in sit down talk to me about it and uh you know i get in there i'm sitting down and he's he's listening intently to what i'm telling him uh but i get i get this vibe like it's like what I'm saying isn't good enough. And it wasn't because it was concocted. But and I wasn't thinking like the paternal angle because because I'm so nervous. I'm going in there nervous. I'm like, surely this guy's going to see me kick me out of his office. Cool. Great day. I could tell John, you know, the guy kicked me out of his office. We're done here. Right. Because I can't do anything past that point. And he doesn't. And he just keeps talking to me and he tells me to come back. And he refers me to um a basically a psychologist by the name of Cynthia McNabb. after after one
0: after walking to his office talking to how long do you talk to him for like an hour or, I one think or it was about an hour yeah an hour he he refers you to a psychologist to start seeing yeah, wow so so from there what what happened?
1: I come back, I talk to him, I talk to him again, and then in the meantime, between that next appointment, we set up, I had set up with the psychologist to go see her, because he referred me to her, and one thing I did make clear, is I told him at the time, I didn't have health insurance, so I was like, who's paying for this, you know? (laughs) I already knew the answer because Penn State already put it all over the news that they were paying for it. So, mm. the, you know, she was like, oh, don't worry about that. Penn State said that they would agree to pay for anybody who claimed they were Sandusky accuser there you know, for therapy. I said, cool. Now I really can do my work, <laughs> you know, and see what's going on here. So, yeah, that's that's really how that went. And then I just started seeing her.
0: So what was what was the, the story of abuse that you made up to tell Shubin that first visit?
1: I told him Jerry picked me up at the top of the hill where I used to live, which was in College Heights. Um, there's a church. So on the opposite side of where Joe Paterno lives, there's another part of College Heights. I said, yeah. And um, there's a church at the top of the hill. And I said, Jerry picked me up at that church. He took me over to Sunset Park behind Joe Paterno's house. He was rubbing on my leg in the car. And then he took me down. Uh, we were just He was talking to me in the car, rubbing my leg in the car, and then he asked me to go down this bike path uh, by Sunset Park. So Joe Paterno's house borders Sunset Park. But there's a trail that leads down and kind of I think now wraps all the way out to North Atherton Street, but there's woods behind that bike path, walking path. And I said he forced me to give him oral sex,
0: right behind Joe Paterno's house. Yeah. That, was, that was the story you came. That on. was the story. You said you thought that he thought it, may, it maybe wasn't. He, he didn't turn you away and question your story. He just no. wanted you to see a psychologist, maybe to to work on the story a
1: little bit. I think so, you know, I think so, because ultimately he ends up changing it to a whole, a whole, adding a whole bunch of details that I had never said, you know. So I, so how long did you
0: go to the psychologist for? Three years. Three years?
1: Three years. Oh my God. How? What was the frequency? Every Wednesday uh for 3 years and we i think maybe there were a few other days we met because of her schedule but we pretty much met every week for 3 years and the main day was Wednesdays and, and did you get any sort of um
0: you know did you did you feel like the psychologist was was trying to get you to say certain things or to or to remember certain things in a, in a, in a certain way?
1: Oh, she was, she was absolutely, you know, she, one of the things I found interesting, she was using suggestion suggestions to me. And like, you know, the more I was like, well, I don't know if I was raped by Jerry. She was like, well, a victim would say that, you know, and she would, she would just basically throw out anything I said that, um, confirmed to her that she would feel would be abuse in nature. She would just agree with. But one of the things I, I I was just taken aback by is she said I was too mad. I was too upset to go to the group therapy. So She had this idea that I should join other Sandusky accusers in a group therapy that they were still having at the time, apparently. And then she, she goes back on it because – uh, she said I was too angry to be able to join that, that group, which.
0: Be- because when you would talk about it, you would, sh- you would show her that you were, you were angry. You would get animated and.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, in, in a sense, I'm playing this part of like, I I'm trying to balance the, the fine line between getting as much information as I could um, from both sides, you know, see how, how she, was treating these uh, accusers that came as well as, you know, trying to keep my cover, you know? Mm-hmm. And like, so I'd bounce back and forth between, you know, defending Jerry and then saying I'm abuse victim. You know, it's, it was more to gather information of how she would respond either way. So so, so you
0: would actually defend Jerry, during your sessions sometimes. oh yeah there was
1: there's a few multiple times I was defending was like well if i'm if i'm a victim then i don't understand how how like we don't all have these things like how do we have these similarities right mm-hmm. and in my brain i'm going i'm not even a victim so how do i have similarities to these other accusers cuz she would say i have similarities to some of the other uh, accusers that she had counseled and
0: I'm like, well, how? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, well, that's a, a, that's a good point. So it, did you record? I can't remember. Um, it's been a while since I listened to your interview with, with John, did you record any of those sessions with, with, uh, with Cynthia or, or no, I did record a good,
1: a good majority of them, yeah. a, a decent amount of them. Yeah.
0: Were you worried about getting, you know, her her finding out that you were recording?
1: No, no, I had I had asked her initially. I said because this is, this is true. I I do have issues with uh remembering things like short term or whatever. And uh so I was like, "Can I record this for my reference so that I can, you know, go back and remember what we talked about the week before?" And mm-hmm. So I don't go on these, these, you know, rants in multiple directions. And she said, yeah, that's fine. And I was like, okay, so I just take the recorder with me. Hmm. And and
0: did you, you recorded your conversations or some of them between you and Andrew Shubin?
1: Yes. Was he also aware that you were recording? Yes, he was aware. I had told, I had told him the same thing that I have, I, I wanted it for my reference. Mm-hmm. especially like if I need it later in the case, I didn't want to say something that may be perceived inaccurate or, you know, since we're talking it's, it's best that I keep a record of it. Yeah.
0: So three years you're going to these sessions and well, how often did you have interactions with Shubin over those three years?
1: Was I think it might've been like 12 times. And uh, in, in the three years, Uh I saw I definitely saw Cynthia way more than I saw Juben. And I was in school at the time, too. So I couldn't always balance these <laughs> that many appointments going on. I have the yeah. I have the psychi- psychologist weekly and I have a full time school schedule with full time job. So it was its a little challenging. Yeah, I bet. So how,
0: how, well, uh, here's what I want to ask. Um, you're going through this whole process, three years. You're talking to, to the lawyer, Andrew Shubin. You're talking to the psychologist. Were you wondering why things weren't moving moving forward or what, what the delay was, you know, why they weren't taking, taking your case to, to Penn State? Or were you getting communication about that?
1: Yeah, I mean, she even tells me he's like, Well, you're when you when I came there, when I went there, I think it was yeah, I was 31, 31 or 32. So he's like, You're past the statute of limitations. Hmm. And I go, Okay. And he's like, Well, in phase one, like he referred to this as there were like three phases. And I I don't I still not quite sure I understood unless he's talking about the phases phases in which Penn State paid and the time periods of of when they decide to pay. But he's like, you're past the statute of limitations, and um, so I don't know if there's much we can do. But he did say that they paid Matt Sandusky um, after the statute of limitations. So Matt Sandusky, Penn State paid a settlement of, I think if I recall, and I, I didn't know this till later, so I I'm, I'm, I'm saying the settlement later was 3 I think it was like 300,000
0: or 325,000. He, he didn't get much.
1: Yeah. No. Other accusers
0: got multi multi million dollar um settlements, yeah. Yes, they
1: did. And and so Schuman wanted to take my case anyways, uh probably because he added to my story and he saw the money that he could potentially get because he he you know, he threw in a bunch of tidbits about me seeing somebody in administration at Penn State, and he threw in Joe Paterno in some way. I mean, like, okay,
0: let, let's back up there. So he's changing. How did these changes to your story happen? Did did Schubin s- suggest them? Did the psychologist s- suggest them, or how did your story change? What was the evolution there?
1: You know that that's interesting. That's a good question because. I'm sitting in his office, and he's like, "Let's go over your story, right?" Just at random. Let's. So I come back in and to his office for another point. He's like, "Let's go over your story," and I'm like, "Okay." And he's he's at his computer and he's typing, and he, and then he just starts saying these things, looking to me like I'm supposed to agree with it. And I'm like, "Well, I'm not." And then it kind of hit me. I'm like, "My original story wasn't good enough for him to get money. He's trying to get money." So I'm just going to go, uh-huh, uh-huh. You know, like, what do I say? I, I don't correct him there because I'm trying to get him to be my lawyer and I'm trying to and have him be my lawyer and I'm trying to prove this case because I'm already at a point where he's not kicking me out his door, so he's buying my fake story. How many other people did he buy their bogus story? Now... That's easy to say from you know just this perspective, but John Ziegler has done a tremendous amount of work and research on this case and when you when you look at his work collectively, you have no choice but to believe that Jerry Sandusky is wrongfully convicted on all counts okay. you know, and you look at my story and my my account and, and and
0: hey let's take a quick break in the show. I want to tell you all about an awesome company. Uh, Run by like-minded people, people who love liberty and care about these ideas. It's called Paloma Verde CBD. Um, It is run by a couple out of San Antonio, Texas. If you're someone who uses CBD to relax, to sleep, for joint pain, muscle pain, all those different things, they have what you need. Um, you can find your, your full spectrum tinctures. You can find flavored, unflavored, massage oil, bath bombs, gummies, uh, CBD Solve to help to fight inflammation and joint pain and stuff like that, a, a menthol sports cream, and even dog chews for your uh, four-legged friends. So please, if you haven't already, check out Paloma Verde CBD. All you have to do, go to their website, palomaverdecbd.com, and put in ROAR at checkout, for 20% off your order, guys. Uh, you can't beat this deal. Head over to Paloma Verde CBD and get some good products, feel better, be healthier, and enjoy life. Yeah, I mean, a, a lot of people who believe this narrative, Well, most of them, um, they, they just refused to look at any, you know, any of the competing as evidence or anything that, that proves... There's really, there's really no evidence proving Jerry Sandusky's guilt. It's all either either hearsay or um, evidence being manipulated or, or suppressed in some way. And but if people actually, you know, go through essentially w- what John has has done from, you know, from from victim one all, all the way through, it's it's really it's it's not close. There, there, there's nothing, it's nothing there. And then when you look at the telltale signs of. When someone is a, a predator, when someone is a pedophile, um, every single time, every pedophile, they always find pornography, um, and there, there was none in this case, the, uh, the, the individual most of the time, I think statistically almost 100% of the time, almost always admits to it either before or after conviction and right. jerry sandusky still i mean to this day and will continue to until he dies is uh is fighting to prove his innocence with no incentive to he's yeah. i mean he's i, I don't know. I, I don't think jerry's going to get out of prison basically no matter what maybe this this federal appeal something will come through come from it but um, the whole the whole situation is just once you take an honest look at it it's it's really not even close but i i do want to c- come back uh, a couple more questions about your story and how it ended so you 3 years this is going on i i'd forgotten that aspect of it that, that's a <laughs> long time so How did I I think I'm remembering from your interview with John that 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 you were you you were you know telling him and talking about that you were just going to blow the whole thing up and and walk into Schubin's office and tell him? Am I remembering that correctly? Yeah. How did it end up ending?
1: Uh, The conversation. So I got backtrack a little here. Uh, So after I go to Schubin's office and you know we have the meeting and whatnot, I. Go home, and I think I might have waited a couple hours. I was, I was really busy at this time. And I send jo, uh, John a Facebook message that says, it has been done. And, and he's just taken aback. He's like, what? What do you mean? <laughs> and I'm like, I went and saw Shubin, you know, dude. Like, It's been done. And he's like, oh. oh
0: you, you're talking about the, the original going to see him as a fake accuser. Yeah, that, that message. Okay, got gotcha. you. Yeah. Yeah. It's just
1: like it's been done. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, I know. Based on uh, yeah, the interviews that have, that have been published between you and John, the two of you didn't uh, didn't see eye to eye the, the entire time, which, which no. is not surprising. But
1: <laughs> no, in fact, that's actually very important that you say that because it was me who convinced John. I still remember that conversation. I'm like, John Sandusky's not guilty. You're not going to get Paterna. This is too heavy of case, and the perception is very simple. Even I, like, would, you know, if I didn't know Sandusky, I'd be probably on board with everybody else. But I said, no, nah, John. I know this man. It's I've met pedophiles. He is not a pedophile. And John's like, Whatever. I don't believe in conspiracy theories you're a freaking moron and just going off on me. And I'm like, okay, this,
0: this is early. This, this is early on when, when John was probably doing his doc documentary, the framing Joe Paterno, when he still thought yes. that, that Jerry was, was guilty. Yes.
1: Yeah. And so throughout this process, I'm like, I'm like, all right, now I'm going to prove it. And I think I spent, I don't know, probably a good year just researching the heck out of Lewis free to Tom Corbett, to John Serma. To all these people And I go John Uh, uh-uh. uh. There is no way Sandusky There was a cover up in the Sandusky case He goes well what makes you say that Because I don't believe in conspiracies Is what he tells me And I'm like Why is Scott Paterno Why am I finding Scott Paterno John Surma and Tom Corbett Tom Corbett Right All linked mm-hmm. in some way Like Surma's best buddies with like Tom Corbett I'm like I'm not trying to believe in conspiracy theory, but if Paterno is covering this up, they would have had to been in on it. And I'm just kind of feeding him information of, of like all these little things that built me to be like, there's no cover up here. And, 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 you know, John's looking to prove that. But then I kind of, from that point on, I worked towards, you know, like, well, how does that work for Sandusky? And then I found ties from Penn state to the second mile, which kind of made me go, okay, well, how does this all tie together? So, you know, none of it's a conspiracy, but it all added up to there couldn't have been a coverup because these people knew each other, did business with each other. So mm-hmm. you would expect them to have, if they're going to have this much at stake and they're in on a cover up. They would all have to bend on 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 and on the cover up, so yeah. it just did not make sense to me. And yeah, it was a lot of work to just to get to that point. So then I was like, "Nah, Sandusky is definitely wrongfully convicted, and I got to prove it." And yeah. you know, as I started that, John started to come around. He's like, "You're right," <laughs> and I'm like, "Uh, I don't know what to tell you." <laughs> uh but i'm not always right you know i just was in certain areas
0: yeah well i mean you had the personal experience and you were closer to this case being you know from from the area right than right. than a lot of people so so you knew a lot of the players but uh it, i mean, it's i mean yeah, it's it's a hard case to uh not it's not really a hard case to prove it's a hard case to get somebody to open their, uh, open their mind up to actually take an honest look at it. So I I do want to get back to how this fake accuser thing ended. How how did, how did it end? How did you break it off?
1: John, John called, called me and he was like, "I, I think you should, I think you should end that. And, I think maybe I had a conversation with Ralph, or maybe i, I don't know. One of those two called. I think it was John that called me because that would have been more uh, convenient. But he, one of them calls me, and well, John calls me for sure and tells me, "Hey, Newsweek's doing this story. I think you should end the st- end the sting job. They want to talk to you." And I'm like, "Okay," but like, I'm I. I pretty sure I could still extract some more information about this case. Cause this has never been about money. And it, I never went, wanted to go the full way. I just wanted to understand what was going be on behind um, mm-hmm. the, the walls of the psychologist and like how she was treating or what she was doing. And so he's like, I need you to end it. And I'm like, okay. So I go and set up an appointment with, you know, to go back cause it's my weekly thing. And I just go, I think I ended by saying, I'm not, I don't believe I'm a Jerry Sandusky, you know, abuse victim. And she's like, what? Well, and then she goes on this, like, you know, with, without having refreshed on the, on, on, on the conversation, I don't want to cite things she didn't say, but I could paraphrase it. She was just like, you know, well, that's something abuse victim would say, you know, and this, that, and the third. I'm like, look, I just want to go on with my life and be a counselor one day. And, um, you know, pretty much ended it there. And I had all the documentation at that point anyways, from everything from who she sent me to, to the diagnosis of PTSD, to Penn state's insurance company. So I was just like, I, I don't know what to do anymore. You know, I was like, "Well, mm-hmm. if Newsweek's doing this story too. I'm getting outed. There's no reason for me to go back."
0: Right. You know. And of course, what ended up happening is Newsweek ended up killing the story. I forget the specifics, but the the editor who was who was going to publish the story ended up, ended up getting fired. I think for something something totally unrelated. Yeah. Uh, when that happened, the uh, the story was killed. So after when you find out the Newsweek story is killed, were you were you mad? That you had stopped it and didn't even I, get the Newsweek story.
1: Well, it's it's interesting because I was in, I think I was in Philly, Philadelphia when Newsweek killed the story, or, or I was coming back from Philly, and uh, yeah, I was I was upset because I I was really like excited to, you know, give everyone this account and this truthful account of how easy this is to you know, jam somebody up for allegations of sexual abuse or sexual assault. And this is a huge problem with society. And Newsweek was telling the story that really could have educated the public and furthered not only helping us with what we don't know about child sexual abuse and what we between what we think we know versus what we do. But it would have, you know, given the world this this better understanding of, Jerry's wrongfully convicted, and this could happen to anybody. Like, mm-hmm. it really could happen to anybody. Get somebody, you know, mad enough or spiteful enough, and really all they have to do is make that accusation. And for me, that's scary stuff. To find that out, to experience that, and to have to come to that conclusion, I think that's probably the most traumatizing thing I've experienced in this whole thing.
0: Yeah, there were some unique circumstances in this case, in this situation. That, that made it a little a little bit more likely for for what to happen happen you know one and one being Penn State had this upside down incentive like we talked about at the beginning where they were incentivized to really make the previous administration uh, that they fired that they got rid of look incompetent and, and by doing so they exposed themselves up to paying out all this all this money and they had. Really, the process to who got paid and who didn't, like we talked about, um, essentially all you had to do was either have been a part of the second mile or have a reference to Joe Paterno, and uh, and that was basically it. But you did have to be, I guess, like you talked about, inside that statute of
1: uh, of limitations, right? So for the most part, me, I mean, Matt Sandusky, I think, was the only one Shubin said that wasn't that was paid, but was past the statute of limitations. So. Mm Yes, that's, that's correct. So th-
0: this ends the Newsweek story doesn't happen. Um, moving forward to, uh, you know, John comes out with this podcast for the benefit of of hindsight. I'm sure you were, uh, were excited to finally get your story out there because John yeah. had been John had been sitting on it for, for years, <laughs> I guess.
1: He had been sitting on for years. In fact, I would I would often spy on. I think it's called Blue White Illustrated, and people are. I just laugh at people's comments on Blue White Illustrated because John they're like calling John a liar and like this conspiracy theorist, and I'm just sitting back saying nothing. And I, of course, I know it's me, so um, I'm just <laughs> I'm just sitting there like, oh, this is gonna be funny when he finally releases. But we can't release it because, you know, I, I'm doing too much. I'm still actively um, involved in getting, seeing the psychologist, Cynthia McNabb. And I'm ba- like I said, I'm balancing school and a full-time job. Along with that, I, you know, I had some other things going on. So we couldn't release it. Plus we were trying to get, I was trying to get more information. I didn't want to you know leave John with just speculation i wanted to make sure there was evidence and 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 facts behind what i was telling mm-hmm. relaying to him
0: so has this affected you in in any way um w- when it was released that you were the fake accuser and uh you know people knew who you were what what kind of impact did that have on you
1: ah uh, no and it and it's funny i i don't think I don't think that it had any like impact within my community, but I think it had an impact on mentally, you know, on my mind. I was hoping that, you know, more people would listen to John's podcast and really see how dangerous this is. And I guess I didn't feel like there was a lot of support. Of course, there were a lot of people. There's still a lot of people today. I see, but you know, mentally this, this case has taken a, huge ordeal on my on my mental health i mean mm-hmm. every day i i think of jerry and i go i i just cannot let this man die in prison because i know he's wrongfully convicted on these these counts while realizing man this is the most serious heinous crime that anyone could be accused of or do and how do i convince the public to listen to john Ziegler's podcast With the benefit of hindsight, Mm -hmm. you know, because like I said earlier, collectively, it tells the whole story and how dangerous and this is. These accusations can turn can ruin your life. Just the accusation alone. We need Mm -hmm. uh, reporting sooner rather than later.
0: Have you had any correspondence with with Jerry, with letters or or with Dottie throughout this or, or afterwards?
1: I, I received, I think it was two letters from Jerry, which I think John encouraged. So I would show them to Shubin to establish call co- Oh, that's right. I forgot about co- that. Yeah. And I totally botched that. I totally botched that and Shubin didn't catch on to it. Or I think he's he somewhat did and then just forgot about it. Like it doesn't matter that or whatever. But, you know, that's that's within the podcast. And um, that's that's about it. And mainly that is that I haven't had contact with Jerry isn't anything to do with him other than, you know, I, I wanted to keep the credibility of my, of my work and my investigation. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I didn't, I didn't want somebody to say it was biased cause it definitely wasn't biased. I tried to prove him and confirm the ju- the jury's verdict of him being guilty as well. So, and I couldn't do it. So.
0: You're saying but by being a fake accuser, you were giving it you know every opportunity to um, uncover throughout the process that, that the players involved were actually being legitimate and you know and if you came across real victims that had real stories, then then that would ultimately obviously have changed your mind.
1: Right. Right. I mean, mm-hmm. if, if I know going in, I'm fake, I'm expected to get kicked out, found out. And then I could go back to John and be like, I'm found out. Sandusky must be guilty. I'm sorry. I can go on with my life, mm-hmm. you know? And there are days I really, really wish that would have happened. However, that wouldn't have got us the truth. And, mm-hmm. you know, I, I, I can live and I can die knowing I've done everything possible uh, to help Jerry in regards to him being wrongfully convicted, but it, it would be very, very difficult uh, for me to process him dying wrongfully convicted. It really would. You know, it's 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 interesting that that you say talking talk
0: about the truth, and th- I think that's isn't that what Joe Paterno said that those were his dying words, essentially that to, par- to paraphrase. Word that he mm-hmm. just wanted the truth to come out and to look at how his two sons uh I mean Scott Paterno has, has just been a joke throughout this whole thing but even even Jay Paterno who I think as as John Ziegler has has pointed out that you know Jay, Jay knows the truth in this case he knows that Jerry is is innocent yet when he's on That's the was when he's on the E60 for ESPN he gives you know a version of events and and he he speaks um, he speaks in a way that you know makes it seem that that he he believes that ESPN has, has covered this correctly and, and Jerry's guilty while still trying to salvage um, his father's reputation and all he's doing is just he's he's not doing anything to save his father's reputation because he's not supporting the truth and we're right. not supporting the truth you're not going to win I mean you're just not going
1: to win you know I. I was as as it concerns Scott. You know, I gave Scott all the benefit of doubt. I got in fights with John myself early on and through through this process. I'm like, you're being too hard on Scott. What do you mean? What do you mean? Like, and I'm like, you're just you're too hard on him. Like, it's his father. Like, naturally, he's going to defend him and all this. But then when I started become when I was the I realized how. Scott messed up badly some of it I understand other parts he's just being a dick you hear him in the with the benefit of hindsight he I'm like yo that sounds like John that doesn't even sound like Scott Scott sounds like John why is that you know I'm like I'm like that is not Scott Paterno that I you know my mother referenced growing up with and you know Mm -hmm. um but Aside from that, like Jay, Jay's just not a confrontational guy. Like he knows, trust me, Jay Paterno knows hands down that Sandusky is wrongfully convicted Uh, without question. Mm -hmm. He just won't say publicly. And I guess I would have a message for Jay. Jay, if you're anything like your father, anything at all, you will stand up for what's right even if it costs you every ounce of your image because Sandusky should not die an innocent man because people are worried about their reputation or images, period. I mean, me and Ziggler have been through 10 years, a decade of stress, people calling us every name in the book, enablers, all this stuff. No, this has always been about the truth, and it will all, you know, hopefully— People will learn a lot from it because it's not just about Sandusky here. It's about how we view these cases and how we handle them as well. Um, yeah, like but like you, you
0: said, like you said before, it's it's about proving the truth, but it's about proving the truth so um, we prevent this from happening again to uh, right. to someone else. Yeah, but I, I yeah. cut you off there. What were you going to say?
1: Oh, and the 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 other thing that uh, I guess we haven't talked about that I would like to throw out because I think it's important is my conversation with Ira Lubert. Ah, yes, yes. you know, um, it, that's that's interesting because I didn't go to Ira Lubert uh, to do anything but talk about my grandfather and stuff like that, but I did get a hunch late, really late, probably about less than a year before I go see Ira Lubert. Uh, Cause I saw him, I think it, yeah, it was 2017, 20. Yeah. 2017. And I go to his office in Philly and, Oh, it's a beautiful office. That, that view is killer. <laughs> it's like the 28th or 29th floor of uh, a tower there in Philly. And it overlooks the Schuylkill river, but and the Comcast building, and everything. But, anyways, people uh, who I, don't
0: know, people don't know, uh, Ira Lubert. He's uh, was he the president of the board of trustees?
1: He's a former president of yeah, around that time of the uh, the mm-hmm. Penn State board of trustees. He's a big and, donor to their wrestling program and their football program as well. Which and is, he
0: he had a big part in coming up with the settlement criteria. Is that right?
1: Yes, he was the lead guy in paying out the settlements, and I find that out in my interview with him. Like okay. there was, I didn't know that up until that point.
0: Okay, so just give, give us a recap of some of the, the the biggest things that happened during your recorded conversation with him.
1: Um, I when when it comes to Sandusky case, I just kind of I kind of was talking about my grandfather. And then transition into paternal and then, you know, we're talking about that case and he's kind of taken aback. And how did you get an appointment with him?
0: Sorry. How'd you get an appointment with him to start with?
1: He knew my grandfather, uh, Eddie Sulkowski, my grandfather passed away years ago, but, uh, my grandfather was a athletic trainer for the Penn state wrestling team. And he met a lot of these guys, but I didn't know that. And, Honestly, I don't think that's one of the things I should point out. I don't think I know any of this if Paterno wasn't fired. I don't think I ever meet Ira Lubert if Paterno wasn't fired. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, we just go on to talk about the case. And I'm like, Sandusky's innocent, you know, and he's looking at me like kind of like I'm crazy. And he then he goes and tells me there was no conspiracy. And I'm like, I don't believe in a conspiracy. And he tells me how Paterno was a good man. The three administrators were good men, but you can't cost a company $200 million and expect to keep your job. And the way I was viewing it was from a business model He was, or a business perspective. He was saying, I had to let Paterno go and the three administrators because ultimately they didn't tell the board, which in turn made us, Liable for up to two hundred million dollars, which ultimately happened.
0: So ultimately, Um, they ended up paying out anyway, maybe more than that.
1: Yeah, yeah. right. So they, Ira, did not believe that Paterno, the three administrators, did anything illegal or necessarily wrong. This was all about this is going to cost Penn State a couple hundred million dollars, and they got to go. They shouldn't have put us in that Mm -hmm. position. But they did their own thing because they didn't. They didn't stand up for Joe or Sandusky, and it's it's very interesting uh, that they didn't. I guess I get why because they have a duty to the university, um, and there's multiple ways to look at that in how they handled their fiduciary duty during that time. But nah, some of these guys called Joe friend. Some of them called Sandusky friend. And some of them put a lot of money towards us kids. And the way I saw it, I'm like, you should have stood up. But I get why they didn't, because the media was going to come after them. And that that there's no evidence. There's no me being a perfectly fake accuser at this time. So there's there's really little to their defense at this time to protect them.
0: Well, wasn't Ira Lubert, um, didn't he put the idea out there? Very early on, um, when these when this the idea of settlements were, were were just starting that there was a Jerry Sandusky tape some sort of tape out there of a boy being abused and using that as as a as a justification for for some of these actions of, of the Board of trustees. I think I'm remembering this correctly
1: yeah i I believe I recall that story and you know john John questioned about it and sent me an email. Uh, But again, at that time, when John sends me this email, I didn't really realize my, my relation to, or, or my family's relationship with Ira Lubert. And I didn't, you know, I didn't put all the pieces together, but John shows me the email where Ira is saying, there's no tape because John like really Mm. questions them hard and there's no tape. And I'd have a tough time now that I know who Ira Lubert is and you know, just his circle. I, uh, have a tough time believing if he had that tape, why wouldn't you give it to the prosecutors or why wouldn't you give it to anyone? Like if, because you're on the, you're on the hook here and you could do the right thing by helping convict this man. So if there is a tape, you should have handed it over. If, you, yeah. if there's no tape, then you're just saying whatever you're saying at that point for whatever I mean, reason.
0: Interesting thing about that. So I, I had John on back when he first leaked those emails, and he gave me permission to publish those emails on our on our website with the podcast. Okay, that, that page is now gone. You can't you can access the podcast. You can't access the page to see the emails. All podcasts all around it. Uh, they're still there on our website. Right. That specific one is gone, which is just I, I'm not a conspiracy theorist, but that's strange. That's uh, that's weird.
1: I'm not a conspiracy theorist either, but I wouldn't doubt that somebody could have could have hacked them off. You know, that's yeah. not out of the realm of possibility. But yeah, I wouldn't I wouldn't engage in any conspiracies. But it is interesting that they're no longer there, and I know you probably didn't remove them because you're surprised by the fact. You know, yeah. yeah. So. Why Why would I remove it? Doesn't make right. Sense. right. It's important. So <laughs> it doesn't make sense for you to remove it. Yeah.
0: All right. AJ, before I let you go, is there, is there anything else that um, we don't have a lot of time left, but are there any questions I, I neglected to ask you or any, any topics uh, that you want to hit uh, real quick here before I let you go?
1: Um, I guess I, I wanted to touch up on the, uh, the board, the board of trustees. And when you, when you talk about like that process there of, of early on in the case uh, I had actually, I I had addressed the board of trustees. I am actually the first student in Penn, Penn state history to ever address the Penn state board of trustees, um, which is long before, you know, this is happening before anything even remotely gets started with the direction that this investigation took me with Sandusky being wrongfully convicted. But mm-hmm. I'm going there, and I'm seeing how they're handling it, and one of the guys, I think it was Keith Eckel said someone in the hallway, like, Penn State should have hired in, inside counsel and not outside counsel or whatever. Why that's important is because they used, uh, was it, Cynthia Baldwin. Cynthia who, Baldwin, yeah. Who pretty much, I, I, without refreshing my memory, it seems like pretty much she she set Spanier and them up um, for ultimate failure, sold them out to the wolves in terms of um, how she was supposed to be representing them. And um, yeah, those guys, all of them are, of course, if Sandusky's wrongfully convicted, they're all, they're all innocent by default. But I found Ira to go back to Ira, Ira saying that they didn't do anything wrong hit home because I'm like, well, if they didn't do anything wrong and illegal, how did they end up in this situation? And the only way that uh, that situation happens is basically the entire board was defending themselves and they need to throw Joe under the bus so that the media wouldn't come at them. Meanwhile, they're all thinking Sandusky is guilty at this time. So they have to do what's not only best interest of the university, but they have to also protect themselves from the media getting towards what I would later find out would be their connections between Penn state and the second mile, which then would turn into just probably absolute destroying the destroying of Penn state at that point. If, if it's not for me and Zig, you know, (laughs) if if we don't exist and investigate this case, looking back as, as the, Name of the podcast, you know. Looking back with with the benefit of hindsight, I could see why the board made the decisions they made. But I, I I could see I I can see why they did, especially
0: based on you know the composition of the board. It's it's composed of you know CEOs and corporate executives and people who who are um, used to making uh, decisions that you know might be uncomfortable and you know right. might might damage other people. But it's going to preserve their brand, their their product, in this case, Penn State University. And, you know, of course, the, the decisions that they made up front sort of helped to facilitate the facilitate this perfect storm, this change of event, this chain of events that led to this uh, really moral panic that unfolded. And then... You know they they made a decision at the end to to mitigate the risk of you know they they, they had the risk of the, the Penn State degree being ruined and this large you know largest alumni association in the world you know people would have turned their back on Penn State and, and the the university could have gone under and if the if the football team is sanctioned with a death penalty they lose football I mean the, the whole university really could have been destroyed so they're, they're acting um, trying to trying to preserve from that angle. And probably looking at, okay, so we pay out $200 million in, in settlements. Who cares if half of the kids, um, f- from their perspective, they're, they're thinking Jerry's guilty. So say, who cares if half of the people who come forward, you know, really, you know, m- maybe they they weren't abused by Sandusky, but we'll, we'll pay the money just to, so people stay quiet. And
1: they're looking at it from from this corporate angle. Right. And, and it's... It- you you nail something there that Ira did say that I should definitely point out. He said to me, he goes, "They weren't all abused. Some of them are on the gravy train." And oh I'm yeah, like, that's right. Yeah. And I'm like, wait, if you think someone on the gravy train, and at this point, I know nobody has vetted these claims. I mean, that's that's exposed within the benefit of hindsight. So if if Ira didn't vet them. And Shubin thought McNabb was vetting and McNabb thought Shubin was vetting and the insurance companies just sitting there. Nobody's vetting these claims. I mean, it's like a drop box of what story do you got that you were sexually abused? I mean, that's really what it is. Like type something up on a computer and, you know, drop yeah. box it to Ira Luber and you got yourself three million dollars. <laughs>
0: that what you said right there is one of the most important things of this entire podcast. And unfortunately we didn't get to it earlier, but it, this wasn't a, you know, a grand conspiracy between Andrew Shubin and, uh, you know, therapists or psychologists and Penn state university and the board of trustees, it was l- largely incompetence and uh, you know some of it nefarious, I think on, on behalf of Penn state, just trying to throw money at stuff to get it to go away. But Everyone, like you just said, so important. Everyone thought the other person was doing the vetting, was doing the yep. work. And turns out nobody was. And they were just paying money out to almost
1: anybody. Almost anybody. And, and, and I caught that and I was like, oh my gosh, they'll see lawsuits forever. Because apparently, you know, anybody... I mean, when you look at the statute of limitations, even if you say you know, 30 for civil, 55 for criminal or 50 for criminal. And, well, I mean, there's still this huge chunk of people at this time that could be under the age of 30 that could just come out of nowhere and um, claim to be a victim. And apparently, it is my, th- it is my theory on, on on this individual. The podcast Sarah Gannam had said she was going to come out mm-hmm. with. I got audio. So um, I'm pretty, pretty positive. The person they're claiming to be a, to be a victim of Sandusky that overdosed in Pittsburgh. Um, Sean, Sean, that good guy. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure that I have a good profile that he, he was probably seeing the same psychologist, um and since he's dead, his family can go, Oh my, Sean was abused. And because I think he wanted that money to go get treatment, this is my this is my theory. Mm-hmm. I think Sean wanted the money to go get treatment. He's we know he was in poverty, we know he was in tough times with addiction. And in some cases, I don't fault him, I fault the people after making the claim after the fact. He's going to go. I was a Sandusky abuse victim. He has traces to the second mile. So here's what I'm going to do. He didn't, but his family did um, after he's dead. Uh, He goes to see the psychologist and they Penn State agreed to pay for as they did anybody. (laughs) His therapy so he gets sent to Arizona and uh that's what I think happened I mean I I'm not 100 percent sure but that's a theory I'll present that's as, spe- as spe-
0: speculation right yeah that's that yeah. has not been yeah that that's I don't think anyone's proven that right
1: right and and remember Ganim Ganim has just botched this story left and right she got a 70s accuser somebody I like I think it was Randy Tyson and friends or something with Bernie McHugh who I who weirdly I met when prior to them taking the Jopas Turno statue down because he was kind of being a dick up there. <laughs> Sorry about the language. He's kind of being a dick up by the statue and like had this sign and was I like, that. Tell him, yeah. Telling people, if you're getting a picture with this guy, you're an enabler. Like he was being mean to just simple people, just trying to get a last picture before they ended up taking it down mm-hmm. but yeah like the it like i said you look at this entire case and you look and you listen to what the benefit of hindsight look at the interviews john has done there's no doubt at this point and and in his words it's not even close and he's yeah. absolutely right it really isn't even close um but the icing on the cake is probably definitely the perfectly fake accuser story. Yep. I think it tells everything.
0: Yeah, it, it does not disappoint. So I, I just want to once again encourage everyone to to go listen to, uh, with the benefit of hindsight, and specifically the episode with AJ, which I had pulled up, is It's a little later in the podcast. It's episode 14, and it's called Secret Agent <laughs> Man. It's a cre- creative Agent name man. there. But uh, go go check that out, AJ. Tell people I know you're active on Twitter. Tell people your your handle so they can follow you there. And now Elon Musk has bought Twitter, so uh,
1: we'll see <laughs> yeah, what Elon happens Musk with that. Elon Musk bought it. Twitter. <laughs> uh, that's good news. I'm glad to hear Elon bought Twitter. But my Twitter my uh, my Twitter ha- handle is AJ Dylan One. So you can follow me there if if you're interested in follow me. And I'm pretty active to get back to people. So. I look forward to hearing from anyone.
0: All right, AJ. Thank you for the time. Uh, great great talking with you. Thank you, John. You too. Hey, thank you so much for tuning in and listening to today's episode. Uh, before I send you on your merry way to the, the next podcast or, or the next thing, you got to handle on your to-do list. Um, before you go, let me just encourage you, please, if you've been listening to this show for a long time, or if you just started listening to it and you really appreciate the work that we put in here at Lions of Liberty, please consider supporting us. You know, I'm not one who likes to to beg for money, and I'm not begging for money. Uh, I'm just making it uh, making it known that myself and Mark and Brian, we do put a lot of work into this show, and we do have a, a lot of. Patrons, a lot of supporters already. Some who've supported us since the very beginning, which is remarkable, amazing, and we are so thankful for that. But for us to really take this show and what we are trying to do here at Lines of Liberty to the next level, um, we need more people that are supporting us, that are backing us, that have our back, um, both uh, figuratively and also financially. So, please consider if you haven't already and you like what we're doing, joining and supporting us on Patreon or on Locals. Uh, you can join on Patreon by going to patreon.com slash Lions of Liberty or on Locals by going to Lions of Liberty. You're going to get access to early content, early releases. Um, many of our interviews you can watch live um, as they occur, either through a unlisted YouTube link or just in our Facebook pride if you're a Facebook person so please do uh, consider joining for either as little as $5 a month or you can go all the way up to some higher levels where you actually get influence over the show you get private calls with us and things like that but every level also does get a discount in our Lions Liberty store which you can find and you can you can look at all the, the great t-shirts and, and things we have there at lionsliberty.store So thank you so much for all the support over the years, and we look forward to seeing you in the Pride. This is John Odermatt signing off. Always remember to keep your head up, and the fire is liberty burning.